Love me or hate me, loving me is the better call. I think I did that before. <laughs> Everyone's closet has a few skeletons, <laughs> but what are you hiding if you have a clawfist? <laughs> oh my God, it's about me, so I, of course, love it, you guys. <laughs> oh, this is going to be... Wait, this is, a, this is a real throwback. You guys, it's Andy's Girls. It's episode 294-ish. I am joined by OG of the AG, writer, producer, co-host of the <laughs> Phenomenal Podcast. You might know her from Damian Bellino. And I have to let you guys know that we have had some turtle time. We are on our second bottle of sparkling, etc. And um, we've just been shooting this shit. And I do feel like this is a throwback to our early episodes where we would pretend to make a housewife-themed cocktail so that we could drink while recording. So for any OGs of the AG who remember episodes like one through whatever, a million, 30-ish or whatever, <laughs> when we used to get shit-faced and scream at each other, I don't know that we're going to be screaming today, but we have definitely had a little bit of turtle time. I feel like it was always me and maybe our guests that were like, and I feel like you were, I always remember being like, Sarah is sober. And I have like, I have like a pack <laughs> of Skittles in my mouth and I'm like swishing it around with Lisa Vanderpump's like, um, what was that? I went to Buco de Beppo because that's the only place in New York that carried- For Louis Peitzman's episode. Yes, it was Lisa Vanderpump's. What was it? It was like a it sangria. It was the worst thing that we've ever had in our entire lives, yes. her sangria. The, it was, it was honestly, it was, uh, it, it was, was an act of, we it tried, was an act we tried of Ramo- terror. We tried Ramona's wine. It was not good, but not awful. Did we try Brandy's wine? It was Ramona's like, wine was bad. Ramona's wine was not Chardonnay. Awful. It was, it was not good, but it was not. Lisa Vanderpump's stuff was like really sweet. It was like sugar. It was like Robitussin, but didn't get us drunk. So like, what is even the point of it? We had, we had a lot of different types of skinny girl. Lot of most of them bad, minus the OG, which the OG was fine. Was good, yeah. but I feel like I remember like a coconut or something. We almost had. <laughs> Sonia's yes thank you that's, that's because Peter got in touch with us and said it's on the truck from Italy. no it's on it's the, the boat ship. from Italy <laughs> ghosted us oh my gosh well here we are and here we are we've had some we've had some Prosecco we've had some champs we did we had a little bit of a talk we had a little bit of a, a heart-to-heart what are we gonna talk about status what are we gonna talk about on the about housewives I have literally no idea we're just recording in a place of absolute chaos in my apartment i just gave you a little tour we're not in the closet we're not in the closet because i feel like i needed space to breathe i needed to stretch my stretch my legs and my pjs i do radiate a lot of heat as discussed with cuddling so yeah we did we had we talked about relationships (laughs) you taught me things about stuff that i really appreciate and carry with me into my next adventure (laughs) um okay (laughs) You guys, I like never get drunk, but I've decided I'm I'm gonna have cocktails now can, more than once every six years. Can we talk about the Salt Lake City reunion? I, yes, let's do it. I love it. We're getting we're getting real. We're really getting into it. <laughs> two ninety four, episode two ninety four. When when shit gets real. Okay, so I said this to you earlier tonight. I'm just gonna call. Great, back I to won't it. remember it, but so, so I had a pepper watching Beverly Hills season reunion cycle I was like you know I don't know that hate is the right word but I was like I don't like Erica she's not remorseful she's not aware of the optics the women aren't holding her accountable enough Sutton thank god for Sutton and to a lesser extent Garcelle now here we are watching Salt Lake City reunion cycle two we're in part two of three and they have nary touched Jen Shaw and the allegations against her and I'm like 
<laughs> like, am I like the rebrand of Jen Shaw being relatable? I feel like she is the one where I'm watching and I'm like, well, she has like a awareness of herself and is also like, I think so. No I'm giving eyes awareness of herself in the sense that what? Like, does she, like, recognizes, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm talking about it in, like, the simplest, the most simplistic terms of, like, her outfit. But, like, she's, like, aware of her ridiculousness to some extent. I'm not saying the allegations. But, like, she has an awareness which makes me laugh. Maybe Erica did, too, to some extent. But I am less charmed by it. I, like, I'm more, I find, I found Jen Shaw to be a bit charming on this episode two part two and i was like well she swindled me and i can't be mad at the game (laughs) i mean i don't disagree i also think it's a lot easier to feel like the pressure is off you when you know that every other person on the couch is gunning for lisa barlow and so you don't have to feel like you have to answer to anything at the most basic level because people want to literally tear lisa apart which feels to me like heather and whitney understood some critique coming their way as Heather said people were trying to cancel me whatever she said under her breath at that point but like they understood that people thought it was ridiculous they were coming so hard for Meredith so instead of taking the note which is fine they can they can decide not to they may well disagree but understanding that they took the note that coming for Meredith was too hard they just doubled down on Lisa instead of doing the thing that a lot of people were asking for which is like asking basic questions about the literal crime not the crime yeah. of being a bad friend but the crime of you know many felonies that could lead a person to camp for a decade or four you know I'm interested in this conversation because I heard you talk about it the last couple episodes about like you know you stand Lisa and in the conversation about mm. like the way Heather and when you're gunning for her so hard for me, the issue with Lisa, it's like, go with me on this. Cause I think you're going to, I'm here. I, I'm, I know you're going to make eyes at me. I'm drinking my little, it's like uh, little Adriana cheese. for me a little bit where it's like, you are an agent of chaos. I don't like you. I'm overwatching you. However, I'm so grateful for you because you moved story. I am grateful for Lisa Barlow and the, and all of the mess she made because I think that she did like plant things like, inviting Whitney Mm -hmm. to a party and not Jen Shaw and inviting Meredith and then Cameron and then trying to make them talk. Like I, I think that she's the intentional and very aware of narrative and trying to make a story and then wants to also not be positioned as a villain. So in that way, I wish that she would almost like, I don't know, I'm drunk. I wish she would be (laughs) like, I'm so sorry. Like a Ramona, even if she didn't mean it. I wish she would just be like, in her head, would be like, yeah, I did that for the show. I'm so sorry. But instead, she's like, I know what I did. I know I was there for you, Meredith. If you fucking tell your friend who you've known for 10 years before you filmed together that you know you were there for her when her father died, when the person said you weren't, like, it's gross. And I feel like the fact that she's so concerned about optics but has no – like, I listen, I know people stand, Lisa – I know gay Twitter loves her. I know Sarah Galley loves her. But for me, the fact that she has no like perception to be like someone telling me that they feel badly about what I did and I'm going to counter and say like, I know I'm terrible. I know I'm terrible. I know everybody's coming for me. I know I'm, I'm awful. I'm terrible. It's like, just be like, Meredith, I'm so sorry. I thought I was there for you. And I hope that I can like, I don't, I just feel like she just does this thing where she is like, everyone's coming for me. Everyone's coming for me instead of just being like, you're, you, I, 
okay, maybe I invited Cameron there because I hoped that that would come out. And I'm sorry, that was messy. I think she feels like she can't give an inch because they're going to take a mile. Heather and Whitney, bad weather, have a vested interest in trying to get her to take an inch so that they can absolutely say that she ran a fucking seven minute mile when it comes to being a bad friend. And it's not, she doesn't feel like she's in a safe space. She doesn't feel like she's in a, she's trying to do the best she can understanding that a couple bad mistakes have become the absolute colorization and characterization of her as a bad friend. And in doing so maybe bad person too. And it is ridiculous. It is actually ridiculous that they have gone this far after coming after Meredith for so long. It's oh, insane. Okay, but putting There's too much joy in it. I I have opinions about Heather and Whitney, but in relation to the Cameron part of like inviting mm, him to the party. That was tough. And the Mary stuff, like the ways in which she tried yeah. to manipulate Mary's story, and in relation to saying I know I was there for you, Meredith, when Meredith said you weren't there for me. Yeah. To me, like, those are separate from bad weather. Those are parts where, moments where she could have said, like, yeah, I, we all knew that Mary's stuff was out in the in the public eye, and I'm friends with Cameron, and I knew he had a story to tell, and I wanted to, like, bring him on the show, and, like, maybe that was messy in hindsight. Like, I feel like there's a version where she could have controlled the narrative by saying, yes, uh, we all knew there were stories about Mary's church, and I'm friends with Cameron, and I knew he had something to say. Or she could have said, like, Meredith, I'm so sorry. I thought I was there for you. Like, But I think that in those situations, she has, like, no ability to just be like, sorry, moving on. Sorry, I fucked up. Moving on. I agree, though, that Heather, more so than Whitney, because I feel like with Whitney, she's, like, funny and high energy. And I think a lot of the appeal is, like, I like watching. This is a really rare, but I, like, like watching her perform the housewife Marie. Mm. I think what makes Heather really appealing is that she, is her being who she is. And I think we see that a lot with like her and her kids or her talking about leaving the church. Heather, she did the same fucking shit last season. Sorry, am I allowed to curse? I forget. But like, <laughs> she, she, I don't even hate when people do that. And it's like, they never, like I literally, we created this together and I'm like, can I curse? I <laughs> always say, well, I'm not going to use the language that I use with guests before, but I always say you can call whomever a see you next Tuesday. Oh yeah, Tuesday. yeah, yeah. People um, don't like that. I, I save it for special occasions. So Heather did this last season where I forget what the beef was between Meredith and Lisa. It was like low stakes beef. But I remember Heather like screaming over their conversation. She was like defending Meredith over Meredith, who was not even engaging she with She was it. defending Meredith over who? Like Meredith wasn't talking about the feud. Like the okay. whatever, whatever disagreement Meredith and Lisa had. Meredith wasn't engaging with it. Okay. She was disengaging and Heather was yelling about it. I remember being like, Heather, like chill, chill. Like it's not your, you're not friends with Lisa for 10 years <sighs> and Meredith doesn't seem that pressed about it. And so I feel like that is what we're seeing now with Heather and also with Whitney is like they, there is a vested interest in like in creating the villain of Lisa Barlow. And I think that like that is gross and I wish there was somebody like to counter I feel like Heather has the a lot of people in the audience's side because she's like the Greek chorus but I wish that there was someone to be like what are you doing like because to me she has like a reunion persona that is like her as acting housewives and it's like so like like annoying it's just like it's not doesn't seem genuine to who Heather is where I feel like there's a part of her like I want her to level but she just like talks over Lisa and I'm like well, let Lisa talk. Like, if you want her to apologize or if you want her to tell her side of the story, then you need to shut the fuck up. Well, and that's also why Lisa, I think, is unwilling to 
put herself in a position where she's taking responsibility or she feels like she's so under attack that she can't think of things and say, you know what, Meredith, regardless of how I thought I was doing as a friend to you, I obviously wasn't doing enough because at the worst point in your life, you did not feel like you had my support. And for that, I am absolutely sorry, separate from everything else, which just compounds, I'm sure, the frustration and pain that you felt. But she can't do that because she's on a reunion couch being filmed with people who she knows has a vested interest in burying her mere hours after they saw her call her friend a fucking whore. Andy right. did the whole fucking mon, which was iconic. I but mean, it, like- was, it was like ridiculous. I'm surprised. So like in my experience in being backstage as like a, when I worked mm. at VH1 and we'd be backstage at like love and hip hop reunions, they would be watching on DVD players like this, only the scenes that they were in so that they could, and so while they were getting their hair and makeup done. So it's like super fresh. Mm. And so I was really interested in the fact that she had watched it 48 hours. And I was like, come on, baby. You should have been playing that in her glam room so that she walked, gave her a shot of tequila, fucking Vita, and she walked on like, hi, hot, mm. hot, hot. That would have been good TV. Wait, who? Like, Mer- if Meredith had watched that scene with Lisa Barlow and literally got walked to the oh, stage. Oh, but I don't think, I think she was already feeling hot, hot, hot. I don't think she needed to watch. I think she was so I know, upset. but she, the fact that, like, she was able to sit on the same side of the sofa to me, that was, like, the, that is why this particular cast and show is irritating to me. Because it's, like, Lisa and Meredith still feel aligned because the rest of the cast is, like, it's, like, a whole wacky crew of cast members. Like, nobody feels, like, really friends. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. in, there's, in another version of a show... Lisa and Meredith would have been on opposite ends of the sofa because right. we watched the failure of their friendship that we knew was established. And on this season, it's like they're on the same sofa separated by Jenny. I wonder how much of that was influenced by Mary, Mary. not being there. True. I don't know. I mean, can I call back to the Meredith? I mean, um, the Heather and Whitney stuff, though, which is like another part. And it also harkened back to my like love and hip hop reunion days. They were doing this thing that is like to me is a red flag for any cast member. It's like when you're trying to get your friends on a show and you're like, I filmed one scene with so and so in a boutique in and this I think this party and like you keep referencing them at the reunion, hoping that they'll get cut in. They referenced Angie like Ugh. seven times and about being on her yacht in part one. And then on part two, there was one point where like Heather seemed about as drunk as me was like, yeah, Meredith, you should talk to Sarah Jane. And I was like, who's Sarah Jane? And I was like, oh, she was that other blonde woman who was in like one or two scenes mm-hmm. who was also like a friend of but didn't get a confessional. And I was like, they're doing this thing that people do on reality TV where they're like trying to get their allies and quote unquote real friends on the show to continue to like push their story. And I was like, I just, you know, it's like I was never um, like a super, super Heather gay stan, but I like tried to understand it because it's like my resistance to any person who's the alpha or not alpha but like fan favorite like mm. it's kyle i'm like i'm resistant to kyle because everyone loves kyle mm-hmm. it's like she's too bethany curated bethany you know i hate her tree hate her nini is mm, i hate her she's different and i don't hate her but you i hate her she's fuck because she's funny yeah. but although and bethany also funny but i hate her anyway it's hard for me to get behind the person who's like favored by the production company which is clearly heather gay mm. But I felt like watching that, I was like, Heather, like, you're playing your cards incorrectly. Like, Andy's not into you name dropping six, like, 12th bananas. Like, they're not the second banana or the third banana. You're really trying to angle for people to, like, be new cast members. And I know Angie was, I think, seen filming. I'm not into it. I mean, like, I liked Angie fine, but, like, I'm just not into – you can't bring 12 people that hate Lisa Barlow on the show. That's not good TV. What do you think Andy was thinking during part two? He was giving eyes. He was giving face. Well, he said that 
Meredith was making threats, which I think was accurate, and I was into him calling her out on it Mm -hmm. because I think, like, it's kind of what she did all season, which was, like, stop scenes. Mm -hmm. He also called Lisa out. I think, honestly, I mean, I'm not saying that me and Andy are, like, connected, but I think that he said, basically, like, what you're saying in response to Meredith isn't landing. And he said Mm -hmm. it twice. Like, she doesn't – that's what is frustrating about Lisa to me. It's like, listen, I agree that, like, those other two women are gunning for her because they want – her to be the villain and they want to be like you're pulling all those strings although admittedly Whitney has also said she's a, a, a like a pop star um but the fact that she like can't hear how when she says like how she doesn't know how to respond to things in mm-hmm. a um was it on Watch What Happens Live or was it in Reunion Part 1 where someone asked a question about and it was a race question was it about Jenny on Watch What Happens Live? Or was it about Mary? I think Andy might have referenced Jenny's response, but in the context of Mary, and then Heather had a lot to say. There was something that happened on, I can't remember if it was part one or if it was on Watch What Happens Live, where Lisa was asked a question about, it was on the reunion. I don't remember what she was asked, but she goes, How do I want to answer this? Mm. And she sat there, and I think Heather was like, Just answer it. Like, be yourself. But like, that is what is annoying to me about Lisa. It's like, You're filming right now, Lisa. And they included that part of you saying that. So like, it isn't edited together to make you look good. It's edited to make it look. So if you're being, I'm going to be, how do I want to answer this on television? They kept that in. Like you don't look smart or cool. You look like a person who is being really like intentional about how you want your image to come across opposed to being an authentic person who says like, well, I feel like this is how that comes across. You know, would you call Lisa Barlow an agent of chaos? No, I think, and I know I compared her to Adriana, who I do think is an agent of chaos before. Right. I don't think she's quite an agent of chaos. I think she is somebody who, I don't know. I mean, I think that there's a lot of examples of women like her before who push story or, like, produce, quote-unquote. But I think that, I don't know. I mean, Lisa Vanderpump never took ownership for her stuff, but she was also never called out on it. Well, she was very good at it. I think we can all agree that Lisa Barlow is... Uh, stumbles her way through some of the yeah, stuff who, and then doesn't isn't sure what kind of what kind of stand to take on the reunion like the Cameron stuff was was tough to I watch I think that that's like I'm trying to think of an, a person who's similar to her her who like pushes stories brings like does stuff that seems like messy and like I think there's like Sheree the bone like admittedly mm-hmm. she will say like I'm the bone collector or people will say like Sheree's messy and that to me inherently makes her like more likable because she will say like well you know yeah I did it and that's funny because you would she's acknowledging that she like created a little bit of mess because that's what the show calls for and that's what's like so for me as somebody who's like I I don't know people love Lisa but like it's not fun because she's like so I don't know I feel like she's doing a pretty good job of trying to maintain some sort of control which at one point she apologizes to Meredith for when they're like quasi off camera except not when Meredith's like shut the fuck up unless there's a camera on us because I'm not doing this a second time like the very RuPaul energy I mean I was into it but like the idea that like she is trying to hold on she does not want to give them the pleasure of watching her become undone and she's dealing with the fact that if she does not appear to become undone they will continue to go at her until they break her down there was a part of part two where they were talking about this very thing we don't want you to be perfect. We know that you're not. We want to see the real you. And what they mean is we want you to break down right now. We want you to break down so that you can break open. And she does not trust these women with good reason, for good reason. And she's not going to give them that. But the problem is she can't break through to them 
unless she does break down. But why should she have to? They don't, she does not owe that to them. Understanding all the things that she's done and what she doesn't want to take ownership for. So two things. I think one, I think that she could offer some of that energy or that breakdown, as you will, to to Meredith, who she has this established friendship with. Like, Mm -hmm. I think that there's a moment they could have had on the sofa that was part of the reunion, not her, like, whispering, like, I don't want to break down right now, but I just want to say I'm genuinely sorry. Like, I think that she could have said, like, in the moment, like, Meredith, I fucked up, and I'm sorry, and I, like, I love you, and I hope we can settle this. I think she could offer... I'm giving eyes. I think she could have offered Meredith that, that, because I think that's different than offering that to Heather and Whitney. Yes, they would have yelled, and she could have said, like, this is between us. Like, I just think there's a version, but I think that you are probably giving what you're saying right now is probably what Lisa Barlow's talent producer was saying in her dressing room, which is like, don't let those bitches fucking make you cry because they're going to try to, like, I think you are correct. I think that she is, is trying to be like, I need to be as strong as possible because they don't deserve like my tears. And like, they just want me to break down because they want, like, that's what they want. But there's something that people say where they're like vulnerability is strength. And I think the problem here is that these women are trying to bully. Not, I don't mean that. I do literally do not mean the term bully, mm-hmm. but these women are trying to impress upon Lisa that if she just breaks down for them, it will show her vulnerability, which is strength. But to be vulnerable and strong, you have to, at some point, if, if vulnerability is a, a true, one of the truest forms of strength, you need to feel safe and secure in order to do that. And these women do not have a vested interest in seeing the quote unquote real Lisa Barlow. They want her to prove herself as a fraud. So it's like not, it's not, it's not an even playing field. Why should she, why should she do that at that point? And I don't see this. I, I generally am not saying this as a Lisa stan. I really genuinely enjoy Lisa on the show and she is absolutely the MVP to me for this season. But I also understand the idea of like, I'm not going to give you any more because I know what you're going to do with it. And it's not what you say that you are. It's something else. So I'm going to bring this back and like try to make a connection again. Like, okay, with, but with, again, with, guys, we've had for second with two brain things. cells okay. and like a bottle, a, a bottle, bottle and a half, bottle and a half. And this is a hole in my own theory here about like, or a hole in my own like, Can't wait. critique. Levels. Do you remember when there was that dinner on Beverly Hills and the, and Rinna and Dorit were like, Garcelle, be real. Garcelle, be a real. Yep. Garcelle, be real. And then yep. she cried and she was like, I feel like an outsider. And maybe it's because I'm the only black person, but I know it's not about race. And then they were like, thank you for being vulnerable. And I was like, I'm going to fucking kill these people because they literally just wanted to make her cry. And now they're like a, literally hugging her and saying like, thank you for sharing that. And so even though thank I, you for being sad it's what we needed vulnerable. we yeah. needed you to be sad so that we feel like we can trust you and friendship right because they thought that she was too controlled and too maybe intentional and calculating or whatever and maybe too secure too confident yeah too secure you know garcelle's my number two right now so i who's your number one candy always i was so scared for one second i'm gonna be dead serious because who did um, you think it would be i thought you were gonna say kim to fuck with me not to fuck with me personally because <laughs> no, no, like, no, like, no, no, no 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 you know like i mean i did but yeah. i did defend kim and brandy that whole season um yeah who never. could forget um yeah but i feel like there is maybe something there this idea of like hey 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 cry be sad show us your weakness so then we can say like okay now we have the real you and I'm not saying that we haven't seen like I I think that we I don't think we've seen those parts of Lisa 
Barlow, but I hear you. And especially a reunion feels particularly like a weird time to mm. harp at someone for this. Especially, again, when the person in the fucking dangly feather cling clangy gloves who has a shit eating grin because they're like cool no one's going to talk about the fact that i'm literally could go to jail or prison for 30 years like she like that's like wild to me that like lisa bartlow is in the hot seat it's like so beyond i mean and why wouldn't you feel flirty and fancy free because you know that the regardless of what questions Andy is going to pose regardless of the pressure that's going to happen when the spouses appear you know that people aren't gunning for you it's the worst kind of housewives alliance it's like we Mm. were talking about this before but like everyone gave Erica a lot of shit but the thing is at the end of the day Erica was never charged with anything and there were never specific posed questions her way aside from things that the bankruptcy trustee said who PS has a vested interest in settling on behalf or in pursuing justice financial and otherwise on behalf of the actual victims like there's a politicized nature to any kind of public conversation or conversation about Erica in that context and it was a lot of gray that was used in vast ways in which to potentially bury Sutton and have drama on the show whatever but she was never charged with anything we have a woman who is not only charged with stuff but was charged as the main primary conspirator where people below her even people who've pled guilty have been sentenced to significant periods of crime and we're talking about why Lisa Barlow isn't being real like how could I Susie Bravo viewer not feel a certain way about Lisa because the actual context itself is so insane and I say that noting that Heather herself noted that she had gotten strong criticism while refusing to understand the reasons why and accounting it as a form of cancel culture. Like the people, the only people who are being canceled in this context were the people whose money was being stolen repeatedly over and over again, allegedly by Jen Shaw. But we're talking about the fact that these women were criticized, I'm sure in, in ways that were, inappropriate and also possibly unavoidable for not asking basic questions but we're going to spend seven episodes on when exactly Meredith's dad was mourned after he died and now why Lisa Barlow saying her friend was a whore shows that she's the worst person on the same couch as Jen Shaw it's just it's a lot and I I didn't have any really any major complaints about part two I have to say but like it's just a lot yeah same I mean I I think I like it's a entertainment value it was totally entertaining to me I didn't yeah have, it was fine but it was I fine. Well, actually felt like there was a little bit too I mean I know that like they have to talk about the Mary stuff to like close the loop yeah it was on a little story, too it, but was it was a little like, too Mary I was kind of like she's, she's not there who cares um but I think that well also it's not even just sorry to interrupt but it's not even just she's not there who cares but like you guys seem to be very specific in deciding who is the bad person to come out of this mm. and I'm incredibly mm. uncomfortable with it and I remain very uncomfortable with Heather Gay saying that Mary is racist. I'm sorry. She has said inappropriate things. She has said things that are racist, but I am very uncomfortable about the characterization of Mary Cosby, the only black housewife understanding that the person primarily holding her accountable, we now know was a big fan of anti-black racism. It just makes me uncomfortable. I will say uncomfy. Yeah, I think that about okay. So let's talk about Mary for a second. So I think that something that was really interesting. Let's talk about Mary. Thing that made me interesting, or the thing that made me kind of like a little bit on Jen Shaw's side in terms of the Mary conversation was 
when Andy was like, well, did you think her church felt like a cult? And you know what I, mm. and you know what I remembered and thought of? I hope you know um, in your brain. You know My what temple in Rhode Island, which was not a cult, it was a you, meeting ground to eat bagels on Sundays, which were a dollar presented by the Sisterhood and Brotherhood of Temple Bethel. You want an episode, I think, of your, Terrific pa- on your Patreon. So okay. subscribe to the Andy's Girls Patreon. Thank you. You said you had a, um, a, what are they, a satchel of gold <laughs> and someone who had said, like, uh, I grew up in the black church. Yes. And I, I, and I, forgive me, I don't remember what type of, like, religious they, religion. I don't think or, I was told. Yep. But they they grew up in the black church and that, like, the Mother's Day Southern. service that, the Mother's Day service that Mary was filmed at, that Jen went to, is like not uh, atypical of a Mother's Day service, especially when people like maybe don't have children. That they would like honor the preacher or mm-hmm. the or the whoever the first lady who is a, who is a mother. And so when Andy said that, I was like, well, that feels like leading. And then Jen's Jen Shaw's response was like, well, I think all church is a little like all churches are a little bit like a cult. And I was like, Jesus, I've been saying this all fucking season. Weirdly, I've become a defend defending Mary Cosby, but I felt like nobody in this cast of non-black women. Like, there's no ally there to talk about, like, the black church, and nobody knows what that experience is like, including myself. I just think that, like, the optics of it are weird. And so the part of Jen being like, well, all churches might be a little bit cult-like, and then Heather being like, yeah, like like the Mormon church. And I was like, okay, well, at least, at least we're acknowledging that, like, religion is complicated, so why are we targeting Mary's church and mm. talking about her church? Because I know there are rumors and there are things out there, but I was into... I was into Jen's assessment, like at least verbalizing that. I felt like it was important that it was said. I also think that, like, Andy said something to the effect of, I talked to Mary, and she said that black people can't be racist. And, like, the air was sucked out of the room, and everyone was like, oh, gosh. And then Jenny was like, everyone can be racist. First of all, couldn't they have edited that out? Secondly, couldn't they have edited? There were so – there was – 90 seconds of absolutely unnecessary, damaging, gross stuff said that maybe they thought would make Jenny feel bad, but not enough people potentially would understand it in the context of like, we, you've already done enough. We don't need to do more here. We just don't need to do more. And again, I want to assert that like, I'm not defending Mary's like racist language or her fat shaming or any of her like her language but i just think like when a room of non-black people like andy says that and then they're like anyone can be racist like there's a lot of conversation about racism and like the ways in which black people maybe can't be racist like they can be prejudiced they can be hateful they cannot like groups of people but like the way that racism actually works and the way that black people are viewed you know what i mean and like this in this like so i think that for a bunch of people to like scoff at like mary saying that it's like again it's just the perspective to me of not having black people in the room talking about that is hard for me not just scoffing at her but dismissing it I could be a hundred percent wrong, and what a better time for us to have cocktails when we're talking about races. <laughs> I know, I know I'm like hot in the face now. Like, um, but there was a point. Did Heather not say like fully, full on? Mary is racist. This is the conversation about like this is the more important conversation of like oh you're of, right, like Bethany and Dorinda. Did you say a drunk or did you say drunk? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. this is like much more important. And Jenny uh, said any every or anybody or everybody can be racist. And then you're right. I don't remember what Heather said, but she did like punctuate it by being like I think she said that. I, and again, I could be completely wrong. And and apologies. This this is a very important conversation to have. But like 
every, we can we can all watch that moment I, again. But like, I, I just thought it was very inappropriate. I, I just, thought it was very inappropriate. I just think, and I think that, again, they're probably eating, I don't know, they're eating crow, but they're, they invested in Jenny and she's no longer. But I think that this is what happens when you, like, put women, like, single, like, uh, tokenize a race mm-hmm. on a show. And mm-hmm. then it's like, cool, so she represents all of this type of person. And now this cast of non-black women will then say, like, your church is a cult and also you're racist. And she's not there to talk about it, which is unfortunate. But, like... And also her choice. And also her choice. Which she we abs- have to acknowledge. She absolutely made that decision. But it just feels... that Like, the church feels weird because I feel like church is so important to so many black folks. And so the idea that the, her church, for sure, is being singled out as a cult is, like... Again, I know there are things out there, but again, the Mormon church. Like, again, Lisa Barlow bringing Cameron on, but, like, also Lisa Barlow converted to, to Mormonism. Like, I just think that there is, like, conversation there. And if Mary was a different person, she would have been able to respond to some of these things. And she wasn't that person. Yeah, and how honest do you want me to be right now? I, I'm just... I think that Heather has a lot of anger toward the experience that she had and mm. potentially being shunned as a Mormon, 100%. She has every right to feel that way. She has a lot of How anger, which is just... You to be. Shut up. Um, she has a lot that's uh, of anger that is deserved, and I think that there is some sort of symbolism here with Lisa Barlow being Mormon and some of her frustration mm. about Lisa. Tea. That's, that's the tea. Thank you. It is the tea. <laughs> No, but it is like when you said it, but I like, was like, this is what you're going to say. This, I mean, don't you think that there's there's an idea that Heather looks at Lisa as representative of somebody who's not being real, who's presentational, who is saying things that are different from how she feels. And like how much of that is tied to Lisa being a new Mormon, someone who had potentially you could look at it as the benefit of not being raised in a position in a community where she felt entirely isolated or marginalized or minimalized uh, minimized according to what Heather has told us and now she is stepping in and choosing this thing and is still a part of it and Heather herself has been shunned like how much of Heather's dislike of Lisa has to do with Lisa's behavior and how much of it has to do with Lisa as a symbol of a position and an environment in which she is currently estranged I mean, I think it's an incredible point, and I think it's accurate. I think there's, like, something there. I think for sure there's, like, a, you know, I don't know. I think there's a kernel of something there that I think Heather for sure has, I think, a lot of displaced feelings maybe towards Lisa. And is she in a position to accept that? Because maybe she's also like, wow, I just fucking hate this person. I just feel like they're fake and they're not real. And I have been anointed as the truth teller or the voice of the audience. And I have decided that the audience should feel this way, which sidebar to me would apply a lot of pressure to Lisa feeling like Mm -hmm. Heather is out to get her Mm -hmm. because everyone knows that Heather has been historically thus far the people's favorite. So like, how does that feel when this person is coming at you, regardless of whether or not it's technically deserved when you feel like it's not just Heather, it's Heather telling all of her stands that Lisa is not to be trusted. I got to ask my friend who works at Bravo, like where, like with the, who's your if, friend? Who's your friend, me? Do if I work the, at Bravo? If, the, if anything changed in terms of like the Q testing, like if people are like more, because I feel like there was so much like love for Heather after season one, but I feel like the online fan base this season is really into Lisa Barlow. So like, I wonder if that tide has turned or if it's like they're both present now, like people, now people are into Lisa for different reasons, but they still like, like Heather still has her fan base acknowledges her as sort of like the truth teller or the like 
face of the audience or whatever. I would be into that from the perspective of chaos, but I actually don't know that the voices of the audience or the audience perspective has changed that much. I think content creators and like the idea of Bravo Twitter may have adjusted itself Mm -hmm. because of Lisa's very strong decisions and reactions, regardless of whether or not you agree with them. But I don't know that Heather stands have necessarily left her. I just think the online conversation has shifted. Okay. But tea. I wouldn't be surprised. I love when you say tea. That's like my new thing. I'm I love drunk it. on the drag queen. <laughs> tea, tea, tea. But like I wouldn't be surprised if Heather is doing just fine as she was before. And I also say this as someone who delights in yeah, Heather, yeah, who yeah, enjoys yeah. Heather. There's a lot she's, of value for you. Bring the family stuff is so wonderful like, so, so wonderful and she's so funny and she seems very grounded in many ways and I also have no problem criticizing or unpacking decisions that she makes that I disagree with I think it's almost like a sign of respect may I just say that you be- may before, you may before we got into sort of the Mary and the race conversation and the religions conversation we were talking about the ways in which people talked about Erica Jane and the ways in which they didn't talk about Jen Shaw and something that I don't think like like mathematically I had really like weighed until this very moment um, is that like besides that van moment where they in real time literally mm. found out that Jen had been arrested. Psycho. That's and like it was actually in, insane. Yeah. And it was like, it was filmed in real time besides that conversation. Shout out Kevin. Where Whitney is like, you know, they're all doing their thing and they're all theorizing and, 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 re- and responding emotionally or however. But aside from that moment, the conversations we've had about Jen and her allegations have been like very minimal. Mm. And that's like interesting to me when you think about how much story Erica's situation pushed, like the conversations about Jen Shaw really became about did Meredith and set something up with the feds. Mm -hmm. Did Meredith and Mary know something Jenny told Jen that Meredith hired a private investigator like it became it did Lisa didn't reach out to Jen when she was arrested like the story became about the ways in which people didn't support Jen or did or the ways in which other people maybe Meredith and maybe by proxy Mary like had it out for her and that's why she was getting what she was getting Mm -hmm. it's just so fascinating the ways in which Beverly Hills was like really rooted in like ask the questions and it was like did you know you know did you hide assets like whatever all of the things that Sutton was asking at that Christmas dinner and then then again at the Kathy Hilton dinner it's like those two convers those two things and also the conversation the women had after the lake house trip like all of that stuff was story and then and Erica fake crying with her uh, maybe it's Maybelline at the on a, on a, <laughs> all, at a Runyon Canyon right. and also Erica going to the bathroom and Garcelle allegedly I wish we saw like allegedly got pushed by a producer mm. to ask her something like all and then Rina said why did you feel like you had to do that like all of that stuff was about Erica and her and her not I guess I guess not just her the lawsuits against her husband but also her divorce and her entire relationship but it's just fascinating that like we never really saw that stuff with Jen Shaw outside of her personal story with her husband and her attorney. So her here's mom. here's my question to you, and because you have a breadth of experience, a little, I, I but like truly a I little. I use breadth correctly because again, we've had some jams. Where do we find and draw, or where was the line drawn for the rest of the cast in asking Jen questions, in the sense that were do we think that they were ever guided by production? 
to not ask specific questions, noting maybe the pressure that Beverly Hills production was under at that point to turn in stuff or just noting that the Erica conversation did not involve someone who was directly arrested, charged, indicted and all that good stuff. And Jen is facing severe time. Like, do you think that there was ever guidance around don't ask specific questions on camera? Or do you think that it was a decision that Heather and Whitney decided or whomever decided as a specific decision or rather they just saw a narrative that was different that they could pursue or do you think that there was a conversation between these women off camera at some point where it's like, here's the stuff that I'm not going to talk about on camera, like any kind of agreement made. And I, by the way, I asked these questions without a single iota of criticism made at any point. I, I actually think we don't give enough credit to the fact that this is an incredibly difficult situation for these women to find themselves in, the majority of whom haven't been arrested and facing decades in prison for felonies, and yet are, in fact, being criticized in many ways more heavily than Jen herself, like from the audience perspective. Sure. People are criticizing Heather and Whitney and everyone else more heavily for not asking Jen questions than a lot of people are for Jen herself, I'm like, what What were you doing with the elderly? You know, who paid for that Chanel? Yeah. Um. So, I mean, I can I can only speak to, like, my experience, which was yeah, I'm curious not really in the field working with talent on the actual shows. Like, I was mm. on the network side and also working in, like, the digital space. So, it's, like, a V different thing. And if anyone who was, like, working in a, in a, above me or on the show would be, like, ha, ha, ha. VH1 slide into my DMs. You're not an authority. But I will say, like, from my experience and what I have gleaned, and what I experienced, I think that it's probably the second option what you presented, which is I, I don't even remember what that was. Tell me again. Which I think was that these women decided this was a narrative that yes. they could run with that was not invasive. Maybe. Well, maybe and maybe was the easier thing to do. It didn't feel as dangerous because I think I, I will say that, and I know these are all. I, I mean, maybe they're all different production. Co- I know they're all different production companies, but I don't remember who is Salt Lake City. But, you know, like on New Jersey, I believe what Teresa's law, legal stuff was happening. And I don't remember like the le- like the actual legality and like what she was accused of and how like how that rolled out in the cycle of the shows. But I believe it was the worst season of New Jersey when it was the Marchese's and those twins. And I think that one of them called tried to talk to Le- uh, Teresa about her legal stuff. And she like freaked the fuck out at a party and dina was there and like dressed up in a costume i think i might be misremembering i'm sure that an an andy's girls listener will tell me i'm wrong Mm. but i say that i use that as an example to say that like i don't think anybody was in anybody's ear to say like you shouldn't be asking jen shaw about her legal case i think that reality tv wants like they want the reality and they want big reactions and they want story so i think that it would have been easier to if they had someone who was like totally willing to gun jen shaw and i think that there wasn't really anybody. I think that Meredith, Meredith, like Meredith and a little bit Mary's stuff was like, we don't want to associate her with her, but it wasn't mm-hmm. really, it wasn't aggressive. It was just like there, they were like aggressively like not wanting to film, which is annoying. Um, so that's, that, that would be my perspective as somebody who has like worked in reality TV, but obviously doesn't know this show intimately or how it works. Um, that would be my assumption is that Heather and Whitney, we're like, well, how do we approach this? We love her or I love her or we have a friendship or we have an agreement and I don't want to like rake her across the coals. And so this their angle was like, did somebody know something? Like also like I think that based on watching them talk in the Sprinter van, like they're smart enough to know how like the feds work. So like they know that like 
Meredith and Mary Cosby are not like Mary's not calling people from her closet to come to to like be like hey Jen Shaw's like is you know what I mean like mm-hmm. so like they know that's not how it works but like it's like they're acting you know I'm acting and it is also one of those things of like if you say it enough you start to believe it oh my like, god it's, it's like, hard oh. to tell where the line is oh my god it's like the story of my high school career like being gay you know it's like where I'm like I'm not so I'm not <laughs> oh my god um it's tough it's a it's an odd because there are points of conversation that I think are really interesting and enjoyable just for us to talk about as outsiders to this in the sense that we're not directly associated with production obviously number one with Housewives of Salt Lake City and also with these women themselves it's just it feels complicated because the ways that the show has been simplified this season are not necessarily a benefit to the franchise itself um, let alone the audience. And it's it feels like a missed opportunity, and yet I have the benefit of saying that as an outsider. Like, I have no idea of the pressure. There may have been an understanding of what this season looked like, and then Jen got fucking arrested. Totally. Like, we all think, oh, this is going to be the greatest season in history or incredibly dramatic because of the circumstances. But the reality is the circumstances may have had an incredibly detrimental effect on the actual narrative idea understanding of the season itself and any conversation or critique about the reunion could maybe be redirected to that very idea like this all blew up it's nobody's fault except for maybe Jen's this all blew up when Jen was arrested but it doesn't necessarily mean that the blow up is going to be historic unbelievable peak tv it just means that it's going to be a little bit of chaos and maybe what we're watching right now is these women trying desperately to find their footing and it's very easy for us to say Heather Whitney why aren't you guys asking Jen any questions it's a lot more complicated when you think about alliances relationships any kind of interpersonal dynamic triggers that these women have and the idea that maybe for them maybe there is a little bit of an opportunity to be like, you know what? I never fucked with Lisa. I never liked her. And now she's making this very easy. And why shouldn't I double down? If this is my opportunity and my chance, why shouldn't I take it? Why do I have a responsibility to ask Jen questions that Jen herself should be asked? Like, why is the question, why do these other women have to be held responsible for it? And not Jen. I don't have an answer. I don't have an answer either. I think it's really interesting. And I think that it also just like, is it friendship? Is it, I don't know that I believe it's friendship because I feel like this cast of any of house, the housewives cast feels the least like a group of friends. So is it like an understanding and like, how do we get around that? I don't think it's by bringing in Angie or Sarah Jane. I think it's by bringing in people that, don't care about the group dynamics it's like bringing in the noella like it's bringing in somebody who's like oh heather and jen are the heather and jen are the queen bees cool i'm on team lisa barlow and i'm gonna gun for them you know it's like the way that noella was like shannon i love you you're a beautiful goddess and your daughters are your soulmates and now and i fucking hate heather dubrow it's like watching that is so interesting because Mm. it offsets the the redundancy of like or like the you know, the monotony of what it could be. And I feel like I'm not sure, like, where does Salt Lake City go if we ex- if they just continue to play this game for yet another season? And I know that they're filming. I'm sure they'll bring new people in. I'm sure hopefully it will be great. And to counter it, I feel like watching New Jersey, it's like 
that cast, it's like, Margaret's not as scared of Teresa, mm. right? I don't know that it's that she's not scared. I think she's, like, concerned. I well, think Margaret he, could be a little bit concerned, but ultimately, is she going to bow to sorry Teresa? Sorry if that was not a smooth transition. I just, like, was thinking about that argument, and it just felt like in a, in if that was in Salt Lake City, like, Heather would be like, I think Louis loves Teresa, and that video is just, like, you guys are misconstruing it, which maybe is, like, that's Jen's ang- uh, Jen Aiden's angle, you know, like, Maybe there is a person doing that to Teresa. I just, Margaret calling it out is like cool opposed to someone just brushing it under the carpet. I think Heather would be more strategic about how she was like sewing this all together than Margaret, who's like, here's the thing. You guys are all deciding that I'm the one asking these questions. LOL, literally everyone was. But if we have decided that I'm (laughs) going to be the bad person, then okay, welcome to the bad place. Let me ask some questions that. Again, I'm telling you, everyone is asking, but if you need a symbol of this in which to shift any concern, okay, I may as well ask the cue. I think it's a very odd, understandable route that's being taken on New Jersey because we know who Teresa is. We know what she wants. And we understand that any idea of her skirting reality in order to find a space that feels pure to her is the thing that she's going to do. And if that means calling Margaret a twat and saying whatever and that she's a bad person and she's only wanting X, Y, and Z and allowing Louis to gas himself the fuck up. And by allowing, I mean, that's a whole other conversation. But... I think that's kind of where we find ourselves. I don't know about a. I don't know about how this would work if like Marge was in Salt Lake or if Heather was in New Jersey. I think these are pretty different women, and Heather has. Some Jen Shaw is very New Jersey, though in her like how react emotionally react like how reactionary she can be. Yeah, and yet I don't think she could last a single second in a room with Dolores. Ciao, AGs. I am speaking to you right now from Rome, Italy, where I am having a little bit of a European adventure. While I love the city and have had so many unique experiences to historical sites, the Vatican, we went to the Pantheon earlier today, there was a little bit of a hiccup in the apartment that we're staying in. And while I really enjoyed getting to know Fabrizio, the owner of the flat, there was a little bit of a language barrier because I unfortunately do not speak any Italian, even though I have watched The Sopranos all the way through at least three times. And this is where Rosetta Stone comes in. What would have helped me enormously in traveling abroad would have been brushing up, also known as entirely learning, the language of Italian. It could have broken down barriers and conversation with Fabrizio. And I also think speaking the language of the place that you're in is a sign of respect to the locals. It's also the ability to fully immerse yourself in the experience. And me not knowing any Italian, apologies to my grandpa Reno, who did make pizza from scratch, it would have been an incredible and even more incredible memorable experience. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, that's right, 
German, Chinese, and even more. Rosetta Stone immerses you in so many ways. There are no English translations, so you can really learn, listen, and think in that language you want to learn. It's designed for long-term retention, which is especially helpful for me because while this is my first trip to Italy, I really truly hope it won't be my last. The lifetime membership that Rosetta Stone offers has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs in life. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses that Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, AGs can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. Ciao. Hey, AGs. Are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home, just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villa Rosa. Obvs. Introducing Home Threads, where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. Picture this. Chic furniture, one could even say chic c'est la vie, that mirrors the elegance of your favorite housewives' mansions. With exclusive designer collections and a curated selection, HomeThreads.com has everything you need to make your space as fabulous as the housewives themselves and always at the best value. Unlike Joe Gorka's initial attempts at windows, perhaps. Now, I have to tell you, I know that Padma is no longer on Top Chef, and may her memory be a blessing, but nothing has made me feel better prepared to host future seasons and potentially even iterations of Top Chef Upper East Side Edition than the Henkel's clad 10-piece stainless steel cookware set in silver that I got along with a two-piece stainless steel ceramic nonstick fry set from Zwilling thanks to Home Threads. It makes me feel like I am finally ready to be a top chef one egg over easy at a time. They're gorgeous. They look great in the apartment. For someone like me who lives in New York City which with a very small space, what I have in my kitchen is important because guests who come to visit me see it. And I'm so, so thankful to have discovered Home Threads because now I feel fully prepared to make eggs a la Francais. Head over to HomeThreads.com today and live your best Real Housewives life. Go to HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls and get a code for 15% off your first order. Again, that's HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls for a 15% off code off your first order. HomeThreads, love where you live. Jen isn't real yeah, she would in the break. way that you know what I mean. Like she yeah. would, like, and then you would maybe get as they wanted out of Garcelle and Lisa Barlow. Like they would have gotten a real moment because she would have right. Like been the women of Salt Lake are um, scared of bluster in a way that I don't think the women of New Jersey are. Apologies to the to the beauties, the beautiful, the state of Utah feathered, for that assumption. The feathered women the, of the feathered gloved women of Salt Lake, but I just don't think that they could handle. I don't think that they could handle the kitchen in okay. New Jersey. I have a question for you in relation to New Jersey, and I feel like I don't. I think you mentioned it once in an episode, but I want to dig in for like thirty seconds. Okay. So, what are your thoughts on? And my forgive me. I would absolutely do anything that Evan Goldschneider. No, 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 no. no. I know. Oh, okay. Obviously, separately, obviously, separately. obviously, obviously. After show. After show. After show. So, and forgive me because I'm going to mess her last name up, but Tracy Barber, 
is the one who said to Teresa, like, defend your sister-in-law and... Which I thought was adorable. And I was like... Who is she? I love her. I mean, I'm just, like, into the fact that she was, like, literally dropped in with no introduction and, like, not... And she's, like, not a single one. And she's, like, an official friend of, because she has a confessional mm-hmm. and she's, like, in every scene. So it's, like, this is the first time New Jersey's had a new cast member and I think a friend of in years. I'm not... I'm not going to say I'm mad at it, but I just, like, am confused because, like, she seems... I don't know. And I want to, what do you think? And what did you think of her being the person to deliver that information to Teresa where she said, defend your sister and brother or brother and sister-in-law? I believe it when she says these things. I don't think that Tracy is doing this stuff for like camera time or anything else. I believe that she thinks she's like kind of cutting through and she's like, well, here's the deal that you need to do this. And I think that she does have a genuine personal relationship with Joe and Melissa. I just don't know why I should care in the sense that like, I actually, regardless of if you're a friend of or whatever, I do need an introduction aside from the fact that over the course of many years, as I remember as a devout page six, I was reading page six in high school back when, God forbid, (laughs) the internet was new and you had to wait until three in the morning. And I was in fucking high school in East Greenwich, Rhode Island, going to the New York Post to go to the, because it wasn't page six.com yet, like to go to the New York Post to read page six. And I was you know, raised in some ways on page six. And I then remember years later, the Tiki uh, stuff with what's her face. Tracy. Thank you. Whose name I've already forgotten. No less than six. She has a different last name. He like, she didn't take his last name, but I literally can't remember it. So I'm going to call her Well, and it's also an interesting story with like the, she was like a babysitter or something. Totally. I I know this It's fresh because I Googled it this week and And I was like, I was like, oh, she's playing a part. He lost his like entire career as a result of this, but it would be helpful for me to get, a window into their life before she has a major part in trying to translate things for Teresa because I'm still trying to figure out who the fuck she is. I think that this is like it's so interesting because I think that obviously every city has its own like flavor and and um, like you know it's like the opening credits of OC it's like the family is always in the background and that's Mm -hmm. not typical and then like Atlanta I think uses footage of the woman in her personal life like Candy being like in the studio being like when her like (laughs) and then other cities and like some cities hold whatever and New Jersey holds nothing like Mm -hmm. obviously there's different flavors of each city mm-hmm. friends of though it's like wildly different i feel like atlanta the friends are like totally integrated however shami is like literally a friend of for like a nine seasons in a row and i like, mean welcome to marlowville but then sometimes she'll show up at a reunion sometimes she doesn't sometimes mm-hmm. she has a confessional sometimes she doesn't beverly hills will have friends pretty frequently new york has rarely had friends but when they do they're usually like non-presences presents um dallas has had like one friend it was marie and we were like she is a character you remember her i remember a glass vase being thrown at her face (laughs) um so i just i like jersey hasn't had a friend that glass vase did not get a confessional i can't um but jersey hasn't really had friends since the kims and i do think that like they really are doing a disservice oh i guess there was melissa what was her name the realtor last season who was the one oh no one cares but she like was clearly a person who was auditioning to be on the show and didn't make the cut there was also a friend of Teresa's who was gay. Oh, remember? the lesbian couple. There was and like then two she of, fought with Melissa and they, they were on a boat. They were like literally fired on one, her. Yeah, they were like on one yeah. trip on a boat, but then mm-hmm. they, were, they were never introduced. I feel like there's a campfire or something. Yeah, and yeah, I yeah. think that that's like what's tricky is about with Tracy is it feels like suddenly I was like, I literally was like, oh, she matters. And I Googled and I, so I know that she was his, the nat, the babysitter, yeah. his wife was pregnant. Eight I think. months pregnant, I think. Yeah, so it was like, it's not great. But I was like, okay, so I just feel like they are doing a disservice to this character that's now like, I was, I was like not mad at her because I thought Teresa is so 
reactionary and can be very simple. And I think that defensive and defensive. Yes. All three of those things. And I think that obviously she knows, you know, she's friends with Jen and Dolores and has a relationship with Melissa and then has like particularly like is prickly towards Jackie and I think a little bit Margaret. So like it made sense to me, honestly, that, that Tracy was the person that was like, Teresa, you have to defend your fucking family in moments like that. Like I felt, I felt it, but then I was like, Can you, uh, Sarah is looking at me. <laughs> she's holding her head. She's like, her, I feel like her thought bubble is like, I can't believe he's talking to me about Tracy Barber. For I this. love it. It's more than Tracy's ever been discussed. <laughs> anyway, that's like that's all I have to say is like the interesting way that they are not acting like she's a real presence, but then they gave that moment screen time felt like a thing i mean how much of it is that them giving her scream time and ha- screen time rather and how much of it is her being like listen this is the deal you need to step up yeah i mean i was into it honestly i mean i thought that that was an interesting conversation because i thought like yeah i get i understood like what dolores was like i'm torn i was like i'm torn too how do you think this is going to play out for marge and tree how do you think that it's going to play out for marge specifically i that Marge is super smart and knows that the audience will be I mean she knows that there's tree huggers but I think she knows that like there's she has people on her side like in the whatever that means like in the zeitgeist and I think that Teresa is not the most like perceptive person but I think she has an understanding of how the show works at this point and I think that she I think and I could be I could be wrong. I could eat my words because I still can't understand how she is still mad about Jackie and the, mm. that situation. But I think that Teresa knows the show well enough at this point to say Margaret's mo- intentions were not malicious. We're on a show. We're filming. And she did the thing that somebody had to do. Like she had to eat shit because this video of Louie was on all of the blogs and they were talking about it on camera and off. And someone needed to bring it to the show. And, like, at a certain point, I will need to – I think at this point where we are now, I think – I'm hoping she will accept that apology. Like, well, she will accept that by the time the reunion comes around. Or at least we'll get there by the end of the reunion cycle and, like, not hold on to it. I think they'll be fine. How much of Teresa saying that she thinks that Margaret is, like, the literal devil do you think that Teresa believes? I think she believes it in the moment because she's, like, mad at production and Margaret's, like, production stand-in. That's my uh, my guess. That's interesting. That I think that, like, that what, Margaret might be the symbol of because yeah, there's like, something about like this that doesn't not Je- make and sense. Garcelle and Erica in the in the thing. It's like mm. he, somebody has to be the per- bearer of bad news because guess what? You're on a reality show. You sign your life away because you're literally showing quote unquote your life. And of course, like as Vicky can say, you don't have to show everything. <laughs> but then when your fucking stupid new boyfriend mm-hmm. has a video that goes viral where he looks like he's in a cult and he's talking about apologizing to a woman because he wants to be all the man he can be or whatever the fuck he says with a group of men shirtless around him. Like, Squinting. The son was not kind like, to these gentlemen. Yes, looking like Shayna from Love is Blind, squinting. Into oh, my God. Shayna's squinting is iconic, though. Like We die for a squint I Shana. just think that Teresa is hip to it enough, or hopefully someone will scream in her ear to be hip, scream in her ear to be hip to it enough to say, like, I get it. Marge had to be like, had to do it because it was out there. Like that's what Marge was literally saying in that scene. I think to me is like some, but I, I don't have questions, but like we're all talking about it, which is to say it's on the blogs. And I think that this was on again, another, this is on watch what happens live on. Uh, it was, I think was it Gertie. It was like two people it was Miami housewife and somebody else. It was Melissa and someone. I don't remember if it was Gertie or someone else, 
but they were like, how many fights on the show are about production or the mm. show? And they both, obviously both people were like raised the whatever paddle and they mm-hmm. drank because it's like, I feel like there's so much. And to me, that is like what the thrill is, is anytime someone thinks that they're hip to the show, it like nips them in the butt, mm-hmm. you know? And that's like, what's fun. And I think that we're seeing that happen in Teresa. And I think we've seen that. I think that the big dogs rarely have, not rarely, but I think the big dogs get really pricked, like pissed the fuck off when that happens. Cause they think I did this. I helped make your show a hit. I've been the number one on the call sheet. So it's like Teresa's reacting like that by being like, I'm not doing this. And Lisa Vanderpump's reaction to that was, I'm not showing up to the reunion. Nini's reaction was, I'm going to fuck somebody up in this closet. It's like mm. when they try to go for the big dogs and they're like, oh, it's fine when you come for, I don't know, Jackie or Claudia. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't give a fuck about them. But when you come for me, I'm going to like, I, that makes me excited. And I want, that's like what I want Salt Lake City. I want, I don't know who number one on the call sheet of Salt Lake City is. I guess it's Heather Gay. Yeah, I would say Heather Gay. But, but like to me, it's like, it's Jen or Lisa. It's the end of the sofas right now. And like. Mm, no, I don't think I, I think call sheet wise like from a power perspective from a value perspective it's probably heather i think you're right i think you're right i just like that is yeah bethany never got bit in the ass did she i'm just thinking like this is I'm well i mean carol tried her very best Um, yeah but it was like the show really took bethany's side in both of those arguments i mean carol was literally actually they both were fired i think that there were points during the loose stuff when andy was when Andy was referencing Berserk Shores and is this slut shaming where Bethany sort of buried yeah, herself that's a fair little enough. bit. That's but, fair um, Kyle, she's also never really been bit in the ass. Not yet. I think that that's, I like, mean by her sister. Yeah. But I think that like Kim was never a reliable narrator. Yeah, that's true. You know, I think that's like, to me, uh, to me that always sets people up for an interesting fall, you know, mm-hmm. Leanne Locken, I think was like had, as you just described through a vase at someone's head, and then obviously, like, it bit her in the ass. Like, when people get to have too much bravado, it's when, but you just need the product, you need production to be fair and be able to say, this is how this person looks, not like protect them. Yeah, but what does fair even mean? Like, what's the valuation of fair yeah, in reality and so, TV? And also, like, what's fair in the real world? It's like, you know, people who are awful crooks are rewarded a lot in this country. Mm-hmm. And people who are, you know, try to like be team players are walked all over. So I think, yeah, what is fair, but it's just interesting to think about like number one housewives and who has been turned. I mean, candy is my number one. And I don't think there's haven't really, I mean, she's been shown mostly by proxy of her family, like her mom, but like she's been shown in not great light, but she's never really been like the subject of doing something shady and been like the light hasn't been shown on that you know and yet her cast members were um you know quasi charged with doing that very thing of like how do you bring down the queen you know and it's that's the question of like when you get too big how much of that becomes a position of value for your place within the network and how much of that you know makes you a target and that can be by your cast members by the people that you may at one point have considered real and true friends. I mean, Candy and Phaedra were genuinely close friends for a significant period. Totally. Of time. Like to me, they are like, I, I know that they weren't friends. I don't think prior to the show, but it is like one of those instances where like, they are like, they were people that I was like, Oh, they're real friends. Real and then, friends. Like hang out when the cameras aren't rolling, which I think like there's a lot of people that are like friends and mm-hmm. text and like make sure that they like are respectful of, 
on the show to each other. Mm-hmm. But I think like hanging out when f- cameras aren't rolling is like that's a real thing. You know what I think is a real thing? Us <laughs> 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 having drinks before that we are about to continue. Um, this happened kind of out of nowhere maybe a little bit I just was so excited to have you over and show my beloved OG of the AG my sassy little space now my redone sprinkle cookie um (laughs) and I have to thank you for taking this journey because we truly may I hope you guys haven't you know noticed that Sarah's so worried this is gonna sound awful tomorrow morning (laughs) I wouldn't say I'm worried I would say that I am cautiously optimistic that we revealed some truths on this episode that maybe we wouldn't have ordinarily 100 we had a truth serum and its name is prosecco and it's also name is um other name is reventos and it's actually in fact a cava um damian bellino tell the people where they can follow you listen to you might know her from any recent guests that you've had on the pod things upcoming tell us everything oh i sound like a little sultry there you're welcome you can find me on all of the things at Damien Bellino, and that's Damien with an A. So follow me there for updates on whatever um, I'm doing or whatever my stupid opinions are about Housewives and or pop culture. And you can listen to You Might Know Her from anywhere you listen, wherever you're listening to this podcast. And we've interviewed um, a ton of great people this season, including Karen Pittman from And Just Like That. And I don't know, guys, I drank a lot tonight, but <laughs> a lot of a, a lot of truly other wonderful women. And uh, you should check it out, please, if you like me. And guys, for Women's Appreciation History Stuff Month, we are doing small business satchels of um, any companies, businesses, entities and whatnot owned and operated by women. Um, that you would like to feature. So please email Andy's Girls Show if you have a satchel of gold specific small business you would like to get highlighted on a future episode. Damien, I did not give you any advance notice on this. Is there a company or business that you love, a restaurant or bar, a jewelry company, or perhaps a vineyard of Prosecco that we could enjoy the next time that we're, we're recording that is owned or operated by um by a lady that we would like to celebrate and honor this women's appreciation history month which is in fact i think called women's history month but i think we should also be appreciated it's women's history month and it's I, women's history appreciation month thank um, you so much if you live in the new york city if you live in new york city or the new like the new york city area you know like mm-hmm. the tri-state area and you travel in often alice's teacup is a like a, is a lovely spot owned by um, Alice. It's owned by a, like a, someone I'm friendly with named Lauren Fox and her sister, Aww. I think Hallie, and I apologize if that's incorrect, but um, Lauren Fox, who uh, is also like an actress and a great artist. Um, and there's a couple locations in New York City. Yeah. And it's Alice in Wonderland inspired, but it's these so great places. Sweet. That if you ha- Especially if you have like young women in your yes. life or young people in your life who are love, like Alice, me. love Alice in Wonderland or love tea. It's like a great New York experience. And um, I have gone there with my nieces uh, mm. many a time. And it's great. You can get like a tea tier of tea you get hot tea you get all the little croissants and tea sandwiches croissants i don't know scones is actually what i mean but um it's really a genuinely a really lovely spot and um there's an up, a location on the upper west side and i think a location mm-hmm. on the east side yeah midtown east i don't remember mm, i walk by it anyway you should check out <laughs> alice's teacup if you're in new york city when i was a nanny 
before <gasps> I retired from Annie Life, Alice's Teacup was a very sweet and special spot um, because it does feel, it just honestly feels darling. And it's one of my favorite words to use and I use it sparingly, but it is a darling place. And also if you, for the young lass in us all, it's a great spot to go. So if you have kiddos in your life or you don't, it's just honestly a very sweet and lovely way to spend an afternoon that's a great great suggestion and the style inside is like to me it is like my aesthetic because it's Mm -hmm. like it's like a lot of it's like kitschy and Mm -hmm. eccentric and i yeah it's it's it is darling do you remember when j-lo had that reality show when she was opening madres or whatever the restaurant and it was like shabby chic and she was still married to chris judd but it was like the end of that marriage and she was starting a relationship as a restaurant with her scientologist dad i never don't remember any of that oh my god it was kind of a similar aesthetic and that tells you guys how long i have been watching oh my god i want to watch (laughs) that i'm gonna look for that on youtube it was real good best of luck trying to find it um but it was real good listen my satchel small business satchel because we are recording in my redone hashtag sprinkle cookies home is dedicated to the delight. Um, someone who I have mandated is going to be one of the very good friends in my life. Tori Healy Lisi, whose company Studio Piccolo took it upon itself to entirely redesign and change my life and my apartment. We're sitting here on the new people's people's couch. I have the fucking gallery wall for days behind me. I'm looking at my 60s credenza and my darling magazine rack. And I have to tell you, you know, I would I always felt a little weird about inviting people over to my apartment for various reasons because I've never felt like a real grown adult. And there are languages that I speak when I come to style. Interior design has never been one of them. And I felt like Tori understood my voice better than I ever did and ever could imagine. And um, I just highly encourage that anyone who's interested in having a new beginning to your humble abode, um, you know, it's the best investment that you'll ever make. And in a time in which, listen, the world is what it is. The economy is what it is. Supporting and encouraging people who are starting new careers um, of great artistic excellence and otherwise. Um, Tori has been an absolute life changer in my life. And I would encourage anyone who's thinking in the New York City area and outside of making an adjustment or sending an inquiry that you it will be the best decision you ever make to send Tori a DM genuinely. Um, so give her a follow on Instagram at Studio Piccolo and give her a call, shoot her a message. She's available for e-design, full service, and of course, to talk about Salt Lake, a fellow Bravoholic. Mm-hmm. Is there anything better than understanding how rugs work while talking about Bethany Frankel? I think not. I oh think that God. is... The literal dream. It's my nightmare. And also, I feel so dumb when I was like, I literally had to keep Googling like furniture that begins, like dresser that begins with a C because I couldn't remember the name Credenza. And she is someone who's able to translate and make you feel more whole and more yourself and respected in however you see yourself, however you want to feel yourself represented. It's the single best um, introduction that has ever been sent my way. Um... So I just have to thank Leah Palmieri for making that intro happen and also just want to shout out Tori and encourage 
anyone who is a lady small business owner, please slide into my DMs, aka actually emailing me, andysgirlshow at gmail.com. It's the easiest way to track these small business satchels because I want to feature some AG highlights, some AG um, honorary mentions of wherever you are, wherever you're from. Let us know your thoughts because um, I want to encourage and celebrate and highlight women small business owners who are doing the work um, and making things happen, which I think is kind of extraordinary, even though we only, I guess, technically get a month to talk about it. Listen, speaking of months, oh my God, I'm turning spiritually mid-20s plus again, March 27th. Also share that birthday with Vicki Gummelson, which we will um, not speak about again. But uh, that day is preceded um, by a very special day. It is known as um, Shannon Bedore's also spiritual mid 20s plus maybe maybe end of 30s question mark birthday march 26th and it's also going to be the 300th episode of andy's girls which is being presented live here in new york city back at club coming it is a very big deal it's a huge marker in the life of ag which we created together of which i'm incredibly honored and appreciative and um, I'm going to be joined at this delightful 300th episode live recording celebration joined by fashion writer author Instagram sensation and the Doris Kearns Goodwin of Bravo Evan Ross Katz at Andy's Girls Live it's Saturday March 26th doors open at 8 p.m. the show starts promptly at 9 at Club Coming in downtown New York City and would highly encourage buying tickets which really um are a measure of support for the pod and of our hope to continue doing live shows that only happens one success at a time, which means that if you are considering doing it or, you know, you just want to buy a ticket and honor the show, go for it. You can get tickets available now um, in advance, $20 at the door, $25, but we are really trying to encourage bringing a friend, a fellow AG, coming solo and meeting Andy's Girls listeners and a new community all your own. And tickets are available now at andysgirls.eventbrite.com. It's going to be a really great, fabulous night. And um, please slide into my DMs when you've bought tickets so that I know who's coming. I'm so excited. We're going to do a Q&A portion and maybe have some special guests. And it's going to be quite a night. Um, and Evan has been um, such a fabulous part of AG previously. And I know that this live experience is going to be really fabulous. So Andy's Girls Live, the 300th episode. <laughs> I just got so excited. <laughs> I thought you meant Evan Goldschneider. And I was like, wait, what? Oh, my God. Is coming? Evan is coming out with his shirt off, obviously. Oh because my. we would not allow him to have any clothing. And he's going to have 300. I think and I'm going to. number one house husband. Right, I was actually going to ask you who your number one is right now. Is he, Could he not be hotter? Is it possible? He's definitely, I think of current, for sure he's my number. Who's your prev? I mean, I was like, I think that Apollo's hot, but he's like a terrible person. I mean, when's that ever stopped? I mean, for sure hasn't stopped me, but (laughs) but in terms of for terms of current um, house husbands, I feel like it is for sure Evan. Who else? I mean, obviously, historically, Mauricio has. Yeah, he like for me, like I get Mauricio, but like he's not for me. So I feel like those. I would say Evan, and then. And you know what, Evan Goldschneider is the sweet spot of Mm. someone who like 
truly is there to support his wife and doesn't really care about the show. He's like but not too he's annoying. game for it. Totally. I th- which is like the thing that not to bring up Jason Hoppy, but the thing that like when Bethany was first with Jason, she's like, isn't it so great that he doesn't want to do segments on Watch What Happens? And it's like, you don't ever really know the person that you're going to marry. But we we certainly understand and, and respect and, and cherish and love Evan Goldschneider. Yeah, totally. What do you think of that preview for next week's New Jersey where he alleged like where there's like that whole conversation about like Jen Aiden and Bill is like defending Jen and they're like, she's a bad person. And Bill leaves. Did you see the preview? I did see it. I and said Evan multiple said, times. When Evan was like, well, she's you a bad can person. go. And Evan was like, you can go. Yeah, I was like, I literally was like, oh, my God. I was very into it. I was very attracted to that moment. And I absolutely believe that there was a little bit of an editing judge and mm. we'll see it play out as we saw with. Even the Meredith stuff of like you're um, threatening people and that did not appear as ha- has happened historically. The trailer is different from the actual experience itself. I like have a little bit of a side eye to it, but I love it and um, I love to see it and I love to see Evan Goldschneider take center stage 15 seconds at a time every third season that he's on. Um, I love to see it. Uh, Damien Bellino, where can people follow you on social? I think I already said, but Did you? it's okay, at Damien Bellino. Well, I'm going to say it for the first time, my thing. So I'm just <laughs> at Damien Bellino and all of the things. Um, and follow me on Instagram at Dame Galley. Slide into my DMs with your satchels of gold. I'll be doing a satchel of gold spectacular Satchels of Gold historically, Andy's Girls listeners, thoughts and feels, questions and concerns, reactions to episodes as they air, or AG episodes themselves, slide into my DMs on Instagram at Dame Galley or shoot me an email, uh, Andy's Girls Show at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts and they might be featured on a future Patreon app. I got some really good satchels this week, including one about Shannon Bador that was like sent with a lot of love, which I very much appreciate to that AG. But um, was really a thinker, was really pushing back on the sham stuff oh. in a way that I was like, oh, I love this. So I will be pa- unpacking that in addition to some other satchels about Heather on Salt Lake and some other stuff, too. So oh, I'm excited for that. Patreon, the number one way to support AG in addition to coming to Andy's Girls Live. Patreon.com slash Andy's Girls, where you get exclusive bonus episodes, invites to special Zoom kikis and more. That's Patreon.com slash Andy's Girls. Look for that bonus episode soon. Damien Bellino, OG of the AG. Should we finish this bottle of Prosec? I'm drunk. Let's do it. (laughs) Guys, I hope you're all doing okay and that this gave you a little bit of a break from, uh, you know, a lot of stuff going. Um, I'm so appreciative to Damien for joining me IRL. And I have to say, (laughs) shut the fuck up. I'm being serious. We have a fire cabin log fire mm-hmm. place mm-hmm. on the TV and um, I'm just so you know sometimes you got to just feel thankful in the moments as they happen that we are able to gather our vaccinista selves and have some Prosecco and you're taking a photo of an empty bowl that used to contain sliced peppers and wow this ended up being a little bit of a chaotic ending didn't it? <laughs> Um, guys, bye-bye.